0: You are listening to the Enormo Cast.
1: Hey, it's your toes. Back with another
2: bit of advice. Now I know you love them La Sportiva TC pros. Great for cracks, off edging and smearing on granite. And TC, well, he's kind of the godfather. A real made man, if you know what I'm saying. So I don't mean any disrespect, Tommy, but when it comes to us little toesies, Sometimes it's nice to feel the rock we're grabbing. And though the fingers get all the fun stuff, the full crimping, the half crimping, three-finger drag crimping, half-four-finger drag crimping, decaf drag with two pumps of vanilla crimping, turns out us toes can push and pull too, just like that old barefoot Chuck. That guy has beautiful crimpy little toes. A little too beautiful, if you're asking me. And we can't have people not buying shoes now, can we, Chuck? Anyway... That's where La Sportiva's reinvented Mantra Slipper comes in. The softest, lightest climbing shoe on the market. Thin, comfy, real sensitive. Just like us toes. You know we have a sensitive side too, and we're happy to remind you of the pain we can feel come ice climbing season. So, in the gym, on steep climbing outside, let your toes feel the rock instead of just knocking around in your shoe like a bunch of ripe walnuts. And get us in a pair of Mantra's stat. Go to sportiva.com or your local shop and treat your toes to a pair of mantras and maybe as a special treat we'll let you keep all your toenails this year. Oh, wait, what? It's mantra? Not mantra? What's a mantra? We gotta
1: get Listen, uh, uh, where are you playing in town? Are, are you playing here? We're doing the, uh, the Normo Dome, whatever it is. It's terrific. Oh, it's yeah, the big place outside of the town. That's Very a big nice. place. You sold, sold it out.
2: 20,000? I'll say, so really should.
1: The hell are you doing? I couldn't sleep. I'm checking the ropes. There was a frayed end on Europe, and I'm cutting it out.
0: Good weather, bad weather. Now or later, anytime. Today's show is brought
2: to you by Black Time and Equipment, La Sportiva, and with support from Maxim Ropes. Maxim has been keeping the NormaCast off the deck since 2012. And don't forget our charter sponsor, Bonfire Coffee. Go to bonfirecoffee.com and enter Norma at checkout for a discount on Great Coffee and to support the
0: NormaCast. And now back to the show. <laughs>
2: Hello and welcome to the EnormaCast. This is your host, Chris Caluse. It is September 30th, 2022, about 10.15 a.m. here in Colorado. And this is episode 250 of the EnormaCast, a conversation with fellow podcaster Ryan Devlin. Ryan Devlin runs the Struggle Climbing Show. Have you guys listened to the Struggle, relatively new offering in the climbing podcast world? And personally I like a nice cordial camaraderie collegial atmosphere among climbing podcasters. I've had a bunch of them on the show. Some folks I had on the show before they were podcasters and since they've become podcasters. I've helped out some other folks getting theirs started, giving them some advice, you know, of <laughs> of dubious value. But more fascinating to me with Ryan is sort of the swerve in his background. His background is not deep in climbing, it's actually deep in being a Hollywood actor, a quite successful Hollywood actor. And you guys know how I love to uh, delve into those worlds, only peripherally attached to climbing that I don't know about. So we talk a lot about that on this podcast, as well as just kind of commiserate about podcasting and talk about Ryan's background with climbing and some of his philanthropic endeavors as well. Nice thing about these podcasts with other podcasters, other climbing podcasters, is it obviously makes me reflect on my own show, on the experience of doing it for almost 11 years now. I think it's coming up on 11, if I did the math right, in December, and makes me the old guy on the block, but it also makes me examine what I'm up to, what I could change, what I could make better, and what I totally appreciate about doing the podcast. And of course, as I've said many times, the audience to this podcast is amazing. It's almost completely positive feedback from my audience. I don't get trolled very hard. I get, you know, obviously some level criticism, which is deserved, but very seldom does anyone just try to slag me off. And I've found that to be sort of amazing in the world of internet fare, putting things out there on the internet usually results in at least somebody trying to slag you off. So I got to... Just shout out the appreciation I have for you guys as an audience, as a steady, solid audience. Yeah, love you guys, man. Love you guys. And by guys, I mean sort of the gender neuter kind of thing, like all of y'all, if you will. Everybody's welcome. Everybody's welcome. Not quite everybody. Whoever's chipping those boulders at Joe's and in, in Little Cowlick Canyon, if you're listening, stop. Just delete the show from your from your app. Ryan shouts out a statistic in this podcast that there are seven climbing podcasts. I don't know if that's accurate. Seems about right. But uh, I look at them all as sort of a spectrum. You know, there's, there's kind of what I do, which is, you know, personality-driven at one end and then all the way down to sort of technical performance training podcasts kind of at the other. And I think the struggle... Shows up in the middle, a little bit of both, you know, he'll talk about hangboards, but he'll also go deep into people's stories. So somewhere in there, you've got uh, the struggle climbing show right now. He's got a show out with Tommy Caldwell at this very moment, friend of the NormaCast cast as well. Um, that's quite good. Tommy always brings it. We know that he also collaborates extensively with Hazel Findlay. And anytime you have more Hazel Findlay in your life, your life is going to be better. So yeah, go check it out. The Struggle Climbing Show. On any of your apps, there's probably a website, but who goes to websites for podcasts? Like many blogs, they're usually woefully out of date anyway. At least mine is. All right, that's enough promoting somebody else's podcast on my podcast. Let's get to the person, the human behind the podcast, the objectively beautiful and charming Ryan Devlin.
1: You smell that the aroma of crisp mountain dew on living cowhide that dusky scent only means one thing that's right September is upon us Yee-haw! getting up early to mend them fences all summer is about to pay off when them crisp temps let you pull down and hold smaller than a whisker on a tadpole dime edge is gonna feel like diaz pesos They're significantly larger. Look it up. And as you gallop into September with a twinkle in your eye and a spur in your buttocks, let Black Diamond be your trusty steed. They got all you need for pedal wrestling, sport climbing, and of course the best traditional climbing protection this old cowpoke's ever seen. If you ain't riding the range with a saddlebag full of camelots, well, son, you ain't cowboy or cowgirl or cowperson. You get my meaning. So when it comes to poking cows, well, that's your business. But as far as climbing goes, nobody has you covered head to toe like Black Diamond. Check them out at blackdiamondequipment.com or your favorite local shop. And though I might have gone too far this time, at the moment, Black Diamond is still a proud sponsor of the Normal cast.
2: So yeah, we're living parallel lives for sure because um, we use the same program, and then it's all the same shit. You know? Yeah, but you just
0: do it so much better than I do. I mean, well, you, you've you've certainly been doing it a hell of a lot longer than I than I do. I mean, I think your your sound quality is fantastic. I mean, what have you? You've done like two hundred and fifty some episodes.
2: Uh, two f- well, yeah. I mean, two hundred and forty seven official episodes. But I've released a few other things, so
0: it's like around two sixty. But have um, the runout as well. I mean, yeah. you're, you're you're like this yeah, is but, a, a dynasty you've got going here. I'm, I'm talking with podcast royalty right now. It's, <laughs> it really it really is a pleasure. Like I'm a huge fan of your show, and I've been listening to it forever. So I it's appreciate
2: cool to, that. Here. Um, and it was you know uh, thanks, and and I'm I'm not good at taking compliments. So but I always I'm like I was just there first, you know. And then the other thing is funny because the runout actually is. Is ground zero for most of our internet problems, and I don't know why. I think it's. I think we record people in Europe a lot on that too, and that's you know as we were talking, we we have a previous little conversation here about Alex Magus and your troublesome interview because of tech, and we have the same problem because I mean, there's he was in the Ukraine, you said, yeah, I mean,
0: so it was pre Russian invasion. It was literally like two weeks pre Russian invasion. Mm. He was training in Ukraine with like the, the Ukraine climbing team. It sounded great, but it, well, I mean like the internet was super, super spotty, you know, like, I mean, it it just Mm. like, we kept cutting out, kept coming in, but we, we did an entire fully complete groundbreaking interview. It was my, it was my, my Oprah Winfrey moment with Alex (laughs) Magos, who doesn't do a ton of interviews. And then, uh, no, he's never responded to my messages. So, yeah, he well, and he told me specifically. He was like if you talk to Clouse, like tell that guy to fuck off. Um and so and I and again, I would have I would have included that in the podcast. Go pound <laughs> a carrot. <laughs> totally. <laughs> tell him where to shove this carrot. Carrot. <laughs> uh Garrett's for power. Um but yeah, I get I get the I get the interview download afterwards and it was like a 2-hour interview that just covered everything. It was so rad and then like a good half of it was completely unusable. Just mm-hmm. complete like snow noise and and so i had to piece together that interview from from what i had and so we literally like like the segues are fantastic he's like you know let me tell you about my hangboard routine. I love carrots. And we're like, wait a minute, what? Because so there's like 30 minutes of shit that went in between there where he was talking about his hangboards. <laughs> it's like a yeah. mystery for the listener. You can piece yeah. together what you think sure. we talked about.
2: There you go. Go back and listen now and then insert whatever you want in between.
0: That's but, exactly right. uh,
2: you know, you mentioned Alex being like a real big get as, as we say. And obviously Yanya was for me and um, that went through Rhino and stuff. Um, and then went through, you know, her agent and all those sorts of things. So it certainly wasn't like I was just like texting Yanya like, Hey, what's up girl? You know, you want to do my podcast, but, um, (laughs) but now you can. Yeah, exactly. But let me tell you the coolest thing about that. And the thing I totally appreciated about how professional she was is that, you know, she insisted that we connect the day before to make sure everything would work, which I was just like, okay, like, nobody ever agrees to do that and she was just like i'm gonna be in oleana you know obviously the internet's not gonna be amazing either because it's spain and yeah so she you know we arranged a moment just to get on for five minutes and make sure it all worked and i was just like geez that is such a dream boat you know like so isn't that
0: also just like so (laughs) emblematic of yanya like she's so fucking good at everything she does it's not a surprise that she's like the best at being a podcast guest as well <laughs> you know like she flashes every podcast she's on yeah, and, and well yours that's is no yeah. no different i mean it was such a delightful interview i loved the humor that she had that kind of surprised me like you guys were just riffing it was really well done
2: yeah thank you and i just like i went in super tense um because i i've i've had interviews previously especially with sort of you know deep european guests that There's a little bit of a loss in translation humor style wise, but uh, I went in super tense and I literally, you know, my shoulders were like by my ears, like, here we go. You know, there was all this prelim with her agent and, you know, it's like, I'm getting these, this hour, like, don't fuck it up. You know, just like you were thinking with Alex and like, (laughs) and then as we, as we went along, I just like fully relaxed and, and, you know, and it was all her just like putting me at ease and, and uh, I started, you know, and, and actually, I think if you listen to it, you can hear the arc where I'm, I'm like, okay, now I'm gonna, I'm gonna start, you know, using my funny humor, what I think is funny, and, and she reacted, and, and I think by the end, like the ending note of that thing was a total laugh line, um, you know, where she's, I made some joke about thinking of me, you know, for her next comp or I, I yeah. can't remember what it was, but it went out on like a full belly laugh that she did, and uh, yeah, I was just like, Jesus, that was gold, like I was so excited, and you know, back to trying not to deal with compliments, but it was all her. Like I just like was poking around in the dark until she brought it. And, um, yeah, it was such a pleasure. So,
0: well, it doesn't surprise me because she, she does seem like just, you know, somebody who's just awesome to work with and really cares and and wants to do her best. But yeah, don't take too much credit away from yourself. I think that I had a similar experience when I interviewed Lynn Hill on the show last season where I was like you know, I mean, I've, I've, my backgrounds as an actor in Hollywood, I've worked with like all these megastars and all that. And I don't typically get starstruck, but when Lynn Hill came up on screen, I was like, Oh my God, (laughs) it's Lynn Hill. Like, and I turned into a total awkward, nervous starstruck, you know, interviewer. And it was, it started really kind of stilted and, and rough and awkward. And then, and then she like put me at ease, which was great. So I give her credit. Um, you know for that and maybe similar to to you with Yanya but then at some point in time you got to take the ball and and run with it and um yeah that Yanya interview was fantastic um send her my way you know do do me a solid what what have you done for me lately
2: Dude, uh, not much um you're on the show though <laughs> oh, Let's good. Just Okay. us start there yeah, um but the uh, i've yet to do yours so um although <laughs> I don't think I fit in with at least your first season's guests, but uh, we'll light. talk about let's, that another let's, time. Let's see how this yeah.
0: <laughs> uh let's see how this interview goes first. Yeah, okay,
2: then, cool. Okay. Yeah. Oh, this is my this is my audition for the struggle climate show. All right, <laughs> all right, now I'm nervous again. Yeah, I mean Lynn Lynn can bring like a pretty
0: serious tone. She's got like this like kind of Buddhist air to her. I mean, like mm-hmm. I think she is Buddhist or, or kind of practices Buddhist, but yeah, there's like this kind of quiet confidence that could certainly, I think, come off as maybe standoffish to some or intimidating to some. I certainly was intimidated just because of the the size of impact she's had on the climbing community on my life, you know, personally as a climber. But then when we started jamming, like it was awesome. Like she just really, she really um, enjoyed telling the old stories, but also talking about what was coming. And of course, with my show, we enter through a lens of struggle. So like, Every question I ask is like, where have you struggled with this? Where have you, you know, training or mental game or whatever. And so, you know, it it, it wasn't like, hey, Lynn, tell me about when you fucking styled the changing corners or, or whatever. It's like, tell mm-hmm. me about the struggle of doing X, Y, Z. And so, yeah, it was cool. I I've, I learned a lot you know through that through the season and of course like I just struggle all the time because I'm kind of just like a mid-grade shitty climber and so it's always good to connect with people about their struggles when they seem like they don't struggle.
2: Well let's uh let's move on to talking about you a little bit and and we'll talk more about your show too because I want to I kind of want to know why the hell you do it. But yeah so does my uh, you know yeah there's a lot of stuff going on, you know. Um you sent me an email Mentioned a couple of philanthropic things that you do. The acting was interesting. You know, I just popped over to the IMD. Is it IMDb? Is that yeah, it? IM, movie yeah. database. Yeah, and it's just. I mean, it's it's a it's a deep and um you know lasting acting career, and you know, and then there's this climbing thing. There's you also have a family, um, and you just tossed in podcasting into that you know, for the hell of it, I suppose, right. or, or we we can sort of get to that. So
0: um, you're living in L.A., is that right? Um, no, not anymore. I'm actually living okay. in Kentucky now, Louisville, Kentucky. Oh, right. Um, I'm in L.A. quite a bit, you know, for sure. meetings and work and that kind of thing. But we had our son, <clears throat> my wife uh, and I, um, we have two kids. We've got a, a mm-hmm. seven-year-old boy and a four-year-old girl. And when, when our son was born, we were just like, we got to get the fuck out of L.A. Uh, sure. And she grew up in Kentucky. Her family was here. Um, I grew up in Michigan. My parents were there. My sister lives in Australia with her family. And so Kentucky kind of seemed like a really good destination where we could have four seasons and actually afford a house and, you know, like just like live what we, the childhood that for our kids that we had, you know, when we were growing up. Mm-hmm, and um, mm-hmm. and then it just, just so happened, of course, that the red is day trippable from, you know, where we're at. So it kind of, you know, it kind of worked out and um, been here for five years now and love it. It's it's rad. I don't know if, how much time you spend out here. There, there isn't a whole lot of crack climbing here. In, uh, in no, the red. I mean, I've been to the Red.
2: Um, part of my youth, I grew up in Cincinnati, Ohio. And so, we were just across the river. And, totally. um, and some, some of my earliest kind of like camping memories come from the Red, um, which is sort of interesting. Like definitely rate in where the climbing is um i can't tell exactly where we were but i clearly remember like rock walls everywhere but this would have been in like the late 70s so you know it was only probably the few really really deep tradsters that were even in there if anything was getting climbed for real um way yeah, pre-sport before climbing the,
0: before the sport climbing boon and porter yeah gerard and you know the chris snyder and all those guys who who set a million routes there but yeah i mean military wall might have been Now it's probably even pre that yeah it was just all like the trad stuff around there no i mean sport yeah. climbing
2: bolting was like non-existent um then so but anyhow That's it wasn't on our on my radar anyway we were just we were just hiking around but um i definitely have some distinct memories um also some some rock that they used maybe they still hang glide off of um
0: i mean cloud could, splitter had like a a great trad route that went up it like it's, it still does yeah. um there's indian staircase of course there's natural bridge i mean that's mm-hmm. that's probably where you were like hiking and camping yeah it's awesome yeah, yeah, i go down there with sure. the kids like yeah. you know not to climb we'll just like hike to waterfalls and mm-hmm. it's super beautiful I, I had no idea first of all like this is how clueless i was to like the climbing scene of Kentucky is when I learned how to climb, it was, it was out in LA and it was like, at it was trad on talk heats and suicide rocks and J tree and, and like didn't do much sport at all. And so I was like, Oh yeah, I think like there's like this little area called red river gorge. Uh, and then like, it's like 2,400 routes and you know, it's epic. It's like a sport climbers paradise. Um, so I, I got into sport climbing more once we moved here than, then when we were out west i was i was mostly just doing multi pitch how did
2: that happen i mean you were well into your acting gigs and uh how did the the climbing thing come about then
0: yeah it was um it kind of just like born from like necessity like i was i was making my living as an actor but i had also started this company called this saves lives which is like a give back Food company, we sell like delicious snack bars and kids' crispy treats and kids' bars and that kind of thing. We're in Whole Foods and Starbucks and a bunch of places. Um, It's grown into this this big thing. At the time, it was a very small thing and it was a way to try to like make an impact on the world. And so it's like a give back company for every product we sell. We donate life-saving nutrition to kids around the world. And so me and some actor friends started that to want to do like a little thing that gives back kind of like Newman's own. And then it like grew into this. You know, it kind of took on a life of its own, but in the early days we were doing everything and I was, you know, running it as CEO, but also like figuring out how to like make granola bars. And, And it was such a stressful time that when I would go to the gym and just exercise, I would just constantly be thinking about all my work stress and work obligations. It was never a release. And so there was a rock climbing gym next door to like the normal gym I was going to and I popped in there just to check it out one day it was like a light bulb. Like I started bouldering and I wasn't thinking about work at all. I was just focused on the moves and there's like some flow and some fear that come into it. And, and you can't really think about spreadsheets, like when you're trying not to fall. And so, um, yeah, I just felt, you know, I think like a lot of people I fell in love with climbing at the gym. Of course I was 30 at the time. I wish I had discovered it when I was younger, but then I met up with some guys that were really into trad. And so they were kind enough to take me out and, and, show me you know gear placements and rope management and you know everything that you would like i needed to learn everything and they were they were nice enough to walk me through all of that and then we just started going on trips out to the needles you know southern sierras and in the kern valley area and um joshua tree a lot and then like talk Heats, suicide rocks that was kind of like where we went the most and i loved it i think like i think you know you often ask people on the show like what kind of climber are you mm-hmm. and like right now i'm a like a hard trying sport climber at the red, like trying to push my grade and like pull really hard while I still have some physical acumen in my 43 years, um, that I've been on this planet. But I think in my, my kind of soft caramel core, I'm a trad dad. And so I really do look forward to getting back into trad more. Um, Mm -hmm. even at the red, there's some trad. So yeah, I, I think, I think that's where my heart is at, but just right now I'm like kind of really psyched on sport climbing at the red with my guys. Well, I mean,
2: it, it it's fits with family life so much better. I mean, bouldering probably fits the best, um, but I wouldn't know. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the, but just like locally sport climbing or relatively locally is just, it's just so much better for family life. In my opinion, it just fits. You can go out for the half day and get worked and like, it's not such this big ordeal. You're not going to get home late if you don't want to. All those things. And I don't know. I'm, I'm so stuck in it right now, but also like so loving it. I mean, there's this thing about me kind of like not giving up, but putting my sort of big root trad dreams on hold. That's actually been really like, you know, freeing. And like, I don't, you know, because I also, you know, I, I identify like I'm a trad climber and, you know, I'll be the first one to tell you about it if you ask, you know, kind of bullshit. And it's nice to just let that go finally and be like, I've done it. I can go back to it. It's just not fitting with my life at the moment. And I'm at, I mean, single pitch crack climbing, that's also works. But as far as like big, big trips to big routes and stuff, um, yeah, just is great, you know? And and once I let that go and I'm like, I'm just a freaking sport
0: climber and I love it. That's awesome. Do you, do you bring, uh, cause like sometimes I'll even do that. Like I'll bring my kids with me and they'll just play in the dirt while I'm, you know, climbing for a half a day and then we'll go like hike into some waterfalls or whatever. Like, is that, do you, do you do that often with your son or do you just try to pop out, focus on your climbing and then get back before dinner?
2: Well, the, the truth is, is that um, our kid who's six, he has some special needs and he's just not quite there yet as far as like being independent on his own. Um, And we, we've kind of started to dabble in it and and get him i mean you know we've done the sort of three person thing where someone's always hanging out with them but yeah um it's it's still always a little bit or has been a little bit uh uh trouble that maybe it's not necessarily worth and also i've been like well you know is is he really enjoying this is this something that he's into and are we just sort of dragging him around but we're we're starting to move back into that mode i think of right um, but it's hard to break once, once we got out of it, you know, it's sort of to dip our toes back into it, um, has been a little tricky cause we just, you know, you just get used to one thing versus the other.
0: So um, yeah, don't give um, me wrong. Yeah, I would totally, much rather yeah. not bring my kids with me. They always find a way to ruin a send or the day or, or whatever. I just, I do it out of necessity sometimes, you know, yeah, totally.
2: Yeah. And we're, I mean, we're super local, you know, the climbing we're doing, I don't know how close you are to the red. I think you said, um, it's two other ways, but Yeah you know, we're, we're super locals to a lot of the climbing that I do like an hour. Um, not even for a lot of it. So, Perfect. um, but yeah, we're getting there and, and, you know, he's get he's getting better at entertaining himself and, and staying put is really the problem. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so just some wetting and a boulder, boulder. Yeah. Right, You're yeah. not going that's anywhere. Usually frowned upon. That'll end up on the oh, internet for sure. Like that's true. The Norman Cast had his kid tied to a boulder for four <laughs> hours or whatever. Um <laughs> Hey, no
0: no no publicity's bad publicity. Come on.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, I just had this uh this show that is out right now actually about the um, uh this guy, Dustin Bowen, who's a bull rider right climber and and that was really fascinating to kind of like you know find this these two things that don't always go together and I was thinking about the acting and actually you know not just acting but being a working actor in LA someone like yourself with the depth of resume that you have it's it's a super busy life I'm sure it takes a ton of your energy and it's you know in my mind it's a it's a bit of a different world right we actually on the run out we did a bonus episode about like famous celebrity climbers of the ages and yeah. uh you know and trying to kind of like filter out who's actually like really into climbing you know kind of for real as, as elitist as that sounds but you you know what i mean when i say it um it's like jared leto like the,
0: and jason momoa you know like, yeah, they're yeah. like real climbers whereas like yeah. others like yeah are, yeah
2: there's like a photo op to get you know to get into your sort of your resume or whatever um but yeah, I mean, it, and I lived in LA, which you probably know too, but, and lived right in West LA and and was at the very first climbing gym up there at this place called Rock Creation that's actually, yeah, that was think, my gym. still there. Yeah. I mean, you that know, was the one so, I
0: walked into when I was telling you about, like, oh, right on. you know, I walked in, I was going to, like, it was Rock Creation, man. I was there for for years and it probably hadn't, well, I mean, it might've changed a little bit, but, I don't, right. you know, it was still like taped routes. It wasn't like monochromatic mm-hmm. routes or any of that. It right. was probably very similar yeah, yeah, no, yeah, recreation. creation. Yeah, so I, I mean, lived, I only lived a few blocks from there, so I would just walk oh, cool. around my bike there.
2: Nice, yeah, me too. I mean, when I worked there, I just lived just lived down in Mar Vista, so, um, it, which was cool. Like, I never, I could spend like weeks without ever getting on the highway, um, which is, I kind of the key to sanity, I think, in in <laughs> totally. LA. If you can pull that off, um, it's really hard, but, um, but yeah, I mean, that that's what I was going to get at is that we, we, even then, this was the late '90s, like we were sort of interfaced with the entertainment. Industry because it was like this new thing, and so people were coming in, and we'd recognize people and stuff like that, and and um, but it did seem like a, a, a disparate world. Um, so how, I mean, how have you felt about? Do you have other acting colleagues and friends who who are into climbing,
0: or is it is it a little bit of a separate world for you too? It's pretty separate. I know I've taken some of my acting friends like to the gym or out to, like, do you ever climb down at um, Point Doom? Like they shoot no. every commercial in Malibu. There's like this right. shard of rock that comes out of the beach and the waves crash against it. And there's every car that you've ever seen in the world is parked in front of it and all these things. <laughs> and it's like a five, six slab on one side and like a five, nine, a little bit like slightly overhung on kind of the ocean side. But you can hike to the top and set some top ropes. And so I would bring some acting friends out there and it's just a fun day because you're like on the beach and you have a drink or whatever. And then like you just try this crazy Thing, and you can go up this slab and just be pulled tight on the top rope the whole time, but I never found any actor friends that were like seriously into it. My buddy Patrick Adams, he was the star of this show called Suits, and then he did um the right stuff on National Geographic and you know really um really talented actor. We did a movie together a while back and just became buddies and um I got him into into climbing, so I'm actually trying to get him out here to um the red or we're talking about maybe meeting in vegas which is just like an easy stop for kind of anyone and um maybe take them up like solar slab or something like that you know like pretty chill kind of multi-pitch there i think that goes five seven five six five seven somewhere around there um but now it's like the celebrities that you see at the climbing gym are climbing celebrities like you know sender one opened up over there near lax and I've seen Honold there and Jimmy Chin and Momoa, <laughs> and it's like whenever anybody comes through to do a press junket, like they kind of go through there, whereas like rock creation is, you know, still this sweet little like neighborhood gym. They're probably not getting the big celebrity draws anymore.
2: Yeah, that's funny. Uh, I mean, the fact that it even exists in that little space still um, where, where these sort of behemoth like gyms have have crowded it out as <laughs> totally. i don't know it's kind of cool because it was so you know cutting edge when it went in there i mean i was there to open it actually no um, kidding i was working down in costa mesa and, and then when it opened uh a few of us were up there to sort of manage the opening um and it was like you know it was a super cool new thing and it's funny that it's it's still hanging out i mean those yeah. walls must be dingy but um don't take that the wrong way. Recreation, we have a, no, they, we have a well, lot of respect for that kind of thing. They did do remodel when oh, I cool. was
0: when I started climbing. It, it <laughs> I was hope so. probably like when you were there, and then they they like opened up the ceilings and added like a workout area up, upstairs. Now they didn't add climbing to my to my recollection. I think they maybe expanded the boulder area a little bit, but it's like you know it gets the job done and the whole idea is to get outside, than you know like if your gym is so nice that like you just want to go to your gym and get a cappuccino and climb these incredible incredible routes like there's less of a motivation to get outside and I think you know the whole point <laughs> of climbing in a gym or training in at all is to prepare yourself to go outside so it kind of pushed me outside which was nice
2: you know I, I kind of like um almost feel like I, I should go Marin all'll Marin on you because I'm I'm as interested in the acting world as I am as sort of your climbing world so let me let me go back a little bit and and You know, how did you get into acting? What were you like as a kid to, to you know, to like you talk about struggle, like on your your podcast with climbing, but, you know, there's nothing that's lower percentage than trying to kind of make it in Hollywood, you know? I mean, that's like just a known fact that it just chews, you know, 90% of the people up and spits them out. And it's such a theme of that, that road, you know? So what made you, you know the kind of, uh, the kind of kid or, or young person that was like, I am going to do this, you know, on the, you know, I just imagine you on the dusty road, you know, waiting for the bus with your little satchel and, you know, your mom in like a, you know, a floral dress, like waving goodbye with a tear in her eye kind of thing. Right. It's like,
0: yeah, it's like, it's 19, it's the dust bowl all of a sudden. Right. Exactly. Uh, Exactly yeah i mean you know chris i've just i've just Did you always, grow up in the dust bowl i don't I've, think so right no i think i've just always been like a really beautiful person you know like a physically beautiful like physically attractive um i'm just kidding <laughs> he's not like literally you're like fuck is he going for this right now yeah all right um, let's do it yeah sure Uh <laughs> god <laughs> this is gonna get taken out of context and people are gonna be like, "That Ryan's a real asshole."
2: That's gonna be my pull quote. There you go. <laughs> I'm gonna do just, like he does on the Nugget. <laughs>
0: yeah, just Always been a beautiful person. Um, you know, I mean, I just class clown, kind of probably not a, 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 a unique story. Like, just was like always yucking it up with my friends in class and that kind of thing. And then I had a teacher um, in fifth grade, Mr. Foley, who was an actor. He did like local theater productions, and he. Fortunately, rather than like steering me towards detention, steered me towards drama, and so through that I started doing like local productions. And <clears throat> excuse where me, where was lo- this? Losing my voice a little bit. You know, I sound like one of your Sportiva ads. Uh, hey, <laughs> hey there, buckaroos! Um, your ads are so good, by the way. Like, I've got a, I've got a background in Hollywood production and writing, and like, I am genuinely entertained. Like, I do not skip your ads. I skip everybody's ads except for yours. Thanks. You got that's something good that's. There. I think I cr-
2: I think I cracked the code with the skipping of the ads, but maybe not. I mean, I'm sure plenty of people are like, "Oh, these ads are dumb." Anyhow, but back to back to your story. Yeah, um, where we're where, we're where was this happening though? Real oh, quick. Oh, so
0: Grand Rapids, Michigan. That's all oh, right, I grew Michigan. Up. That's right. Um, near yeah. near Lake Michigan, kind of west side there, and mm-hmm. started doing like local theater productions, Charlotte's Web, like children's theater, and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Was super into it. Until like high school and then I got into sports, I played hockey and I played lacrosse and I smoked like, you know, pounds of weed and just, you know, did like what every high schooler does Um, or maybe not every high school, every middle class white male high schooler does, which is just like sports and drugs. And then, you know, I went to Michigan State University and I studied business, but the whole time I was like, I'm going to give it a shot. I'm going to go out to L.A. and give it a shot. And so I did. So I graduated um, college with a degree in business, turned down like some kind of normal job offers and just said like, I got to try this. And so I drove my mom's car out there and and um, got a bartending job. And like, it's the, you know, it's cliche, but like, you know, I met my manager while I was tending bar at this, at this, you know, restaurant and she was like, you know, I'll give you a shot, like let's let's send you out on some things. And so one of the earliest auditions I got was to host a show on, on Spike TV. I don't even know if Spike TV's around still. Yeah, I don't know. It was or like did it the Network Vice for Men. or something. I don't know. Yeah, I remember. But anyway, it was like this kind of extreme sports variety show where it was like there were sketches, but then you would have like some famous snowboarder on or a BMXer or whatever. It's very like X Games, the TV show. So when I went in for that, I made a fake resume. So I had my, you know, you have your headshot and then you have a resume. And I created, I t- entirely fabricated my resume with all of these, like, things that I thought would appeal to the producers of this. So it was like sketch comedy show at Michigan State University and extreme sports show for a totally made up TV network in Michigan. And, like, I was like, literally all they have to do is fucking Google or make one phone call and they'll see that I'm full of shit. But... If they don't, maybe I'll get this job. And they didn't. And so I got the job. And so then after that, after lying my way into my first job, then I, you know, then I actually had some tape and like a real resume. And so then I just built from that, you know, getting little guest starring roles. And, and I guess like if I had like a big break, it might have been this show called Veronica Mars that starred Kristen Bell who's a friend of mine and, and we actually started that company together. This right. saves lives. It, it, When you're talking about
2: that, I was, I, and then I saw that on, um, on your, the IMDB thing. I was like, Oh, this must've all happened on set that these, these folks became friends and, and uh, started this other company. Is that right?
0: That's exactly right. Yeah. And she's yeah, from Michigan. Yeah. We just kind of like hit okay. it off right away and she's the hero of the show. And then I, I was brought in to play the bad guy. But so I met Kristen kind of like, it was just like, It was good laughs because we would have these scenes where we were like fighting or like she electrocuted me and I punched her and, you know, and then we would just like hang out. And so it was a cool time (laughs) because at that time when you're in your early 20s and you're doing a show and we shot down in San Diego. So we were all in a hotel like you just kind of would hang out with the people that you would work with. And so it was like being at camp. The relationships formed under that short amount of time were very rich and deep because you were just with these people. Constantly, so yeah, Kristen and I became good friends on that, and in that show really is probably what helped me like generate a bunch of momentum for the other acting work that I got. But still, like such a struggle, like st- such a grind. It was never easy for me. It, it's not easy for me. Like I still audition for a hundred things a year and book one or two. You know, there's times where you're a little bit hotter or a little bit more of a, a, a an attraction to casting directors or, or whatever, and then there's times where it's colder and you're like yesterday's news and and so that's why i love living in uh kentucky because you're kind of out of it you know you experience this in la in la it's like every billboard is a movie or tv Mm -hmm. show every bus ad like you can't get away from hollywood it's so like suffocating but you know in kentucky there's like some novelty to to acting and in, in LA, you're like I'm an actor, and everybody's like, "Ugh, they're rolling yeah. their eyes," you know. But out here, they're like, "Oh, cool, tell me about it."
2: <laughs> yeah, now, do you have a script uh, you want to submit? Um <laughs> totally. I'm working on. It. I'm writing it right now. But I mean, I remember that, and it's funny because you know, even as dirt, I was like, I mean, I was super dirt baggy then. You know, I was working in a climbing gym, mostly part time, and that was it for my income and and trying to climb as much, but you would, we would interface. You would just, like you said, you would just be around these people and like interface with them and, and I was so cynical about it all, you know, just like, wh- like when they'd come into the gym, I'd just be like, "That guy can't even climb, like big deal," you know. It's like that was in my twenties, like that's your only measure of worth, like how hard does he climb? Right. Oh, he doesn't climb for shit. Okay, well, I don't care what show he's on then or whatever, you know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and by the way, that's su- it's such a good if you can just buy into that, you know. For- fortunately, you're far less cynical now, Chris. So it's 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 yeah, good. Exactly. You've, really, you've really grown. Uh, again,
2: going back to the theme of your show, the struggle climbing show, and you, you, you talk to people, you know, about failure, uh, as much as you talk to them about success. In fact, more so, I think. And, you know, going back to that Magos interview, you know, he talked about that, how it's like, no one hears about the, the hundred percent or 99% of failure. They only hear about the sends and, you know, it's the, the acting thing is, the same we only see we don't see the 100 auditions we see the couple things that you got but the thing that's interesting about it and i think is is unique and makes people who are who have gone through what you went through um and are going through in a sense um although you're six you know you're reasonably successful now is is a is an armor that i think is super impressive and you know this the amount of rejection kind of even puts even writers and stuff to, to shame, you know, the amount of rejection they get, which is legendary, right? But the, the amount of rejection you can get, you know, some of it, maybe you can, you can back this up or not, you know, can be quite harsh. And, you know, maybe you get direct notes that, you know, pick on your personality and your looks and all these things that you can't necessarily change. And yet you just keep going at it. And it, I think it just takes an interesting personality uh you know of of confidence or uh, like i said an armor or an ability to rebound you know if if you do get down and you're like fuck this i'm out you know i'm i'm you, do you know what i'm getting at it's like it's it's an impressive amount of shit that you can take and just still be like, I'm going to make it, you know, or I'm going to get <laughs> yeah. the next one or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Like, can you talk a little bit about that and whether or not I'm I'm onto something as far as a personality trait that might go through a lot of your colleagues
0: as well as yourself? Yeah, it is interesting. No, I mean, uh, for sure, the business chews people up and spits them out. Like if you don't have a tough skin, or maybe what's more critical is if you're pegging yourself worth to the outcome of what other people say, like it is such a losing formula. And I, to make a, a kind of a parallel to climbing, I, I talked with Hazel Finley about this during the mental game kind of recap episode where we looked back on, you know, the mental game of, of all of our prior episodes. And, you know, she was saying very similar, like a lot of the pros talked about a fear of failure. You know, Alex Magos talked a lot about that in that, that film rock punk that he did, you know, focused on that. Like, You see it with with a lot of pros when they are when they punt or something like that and they're screaming and swearing, you know, as Hazel says, like sometimes if if you really connect your self-worth to the outcome of a climb or a competition, you can get pretty dark for a while. And with Hollywood, to your point, it's maybe even more personal because Mm -hmm. people are literally rejecting you. And right. they're also accepting you. So if you get the job, you can immediately inflate your ego. You're like, I'm fucking awesome. I beat all those people out. You know, or if they reject you, you can immediately take it super personally and be like, God, like they don't like me. And so if you're like that, I think you don't last. Like I think you really flame out. For me, the antidote, I don't know what other people do, like what tricks they do, but like wh- what I do is that I have to have other things that I'm passionate about and that bring purpose and self-worth to my life that are beyond acting because acting is so far out of your own control. So I find things that are in my control. And so for me, that's like these other like entrepreneurial ventures that I do. Podcast is one of them, right? I write, produce, host. I'm in control of the struggle climbing show. This saves lives, you know, as the food company that I started, I started a forest preschool out here in Kentucky. There was other like things that I did. I did a lot of volunteer work when I was living in LA, just like anything that could kind of give me some sort of fun. Climbing was a huge one. Like I could plan a trip and get our gear together and like all these things so that when I would walk into an audition on Monday or Tuesday, there could be a little bit of a, like, a, uh, I don't give a shit about this. And if you have that, it's like catnip to producers they're like wait a minute he doesn't care we must have him you know like the second you care they're like oh we don't care about that guy he cares too much it's like antithetical it's like to what it should be it's 100 dating it's 100 dating oh he doesn't want me i must have him um so like there's there's got to be like a healthy dose of that now i do have friends who really care like where acting is their purpose in life And they come at it a different way than I do, where for me, acting was always like a really fun way to make money and afford me some freedom to do other cool things. Um, But I've kind of like everything I do in my life is kind of that I I try to go into it with like a sense of even even rock climbing. Like I try to step up to a climb and just be like, yeah, it could go. It might not go. I don't care. There's 10 other things that I want to do today anyway. And part of it's like a device like where I'm trying mm-hmm. to trick myself. And part of it, you know, right. I think is just maybe my personality.
2: Well, I mean, that that's a, you were lamenting starting in your 30s. And yeah. so, and that's kind of a physical lament. But the truth is, is that a lot of what you're saying, it comes with maturity and and life experience. And you brought that life experience of of acting and to, to climbing. And you know, thinking of my own evolution with that, because I feel, you know, in a lot of ways, the same way these days about climbing, like, yeah, you know, it'd be great if I send tomorrow, but if I don't, I'll just go back another time or whatever. That didn't necessarily exist for me in my twenties when I was more angsty. So, you know, just to, you know, you, you talk a lot about mental training and with, with your show, that's like a fringe benefit of having started a little bit later too, is I think you get to bypass that hang up with your ego. I think that's Um, a good
0: point. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Parenting is the same thing. I'm not sure if this has been your experience as well, but like, you know, didn't have kids until I guess I was like 35 when my son was born and 40 when we um, brought my daughter home. My daughter's adopted. Um, And like, I could imagine like if I was in my early 20s, like like leaving holes in walls throughout my house. But now I've like got a little bit more patience and perspective where I can like, you know, these kids are like literally trying to ruin me every single day and like I can take it. And then like, and then they love me and I'm like, okay, good. But like if I was 20, I don't know if I could take it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's true. I mean, I'm, I was even older when, when my boy came into the world. So, um, but yeah, I just, just kind of a, a perspective. So, You talked about meeting and making friends on sets, particularly the friends that you started This Saves Lives with. Do you have a social and community within uh, acting in in a way that we create these communities within climbing? I mean, there's the good and bad. Like, you know, most people will point out to me that, yeah, almost all of my good friends are climbers and I don't have that many good friends outside of it other than some old childhood friends. Um, which may be sort of limiting in perspectives. And of course, all we do is talk about climbing, blah, blah, blah. But it's really easy to form these close-knit communities within climbing. What about within acting or within that world?
0: Yeah, I think like whenever you kind of are in the trenches and then start to rise through the ranks in anything, you like form really strong bonds. And so in the in the Hollywood community, in the acting community, I would take a lot of classes. I was like in acting classes for years you know, I think some people just like land in LA and they're like, I can do it or, you know, whatever. But for me, like, I really wanted to take it seriously. And, and I'm glad I did because these acting classes, while we all started as complete unknowns, like people just fresh off the, you know, the bus from Topeka or whatever. For years, I was in the same acting class with these same people and everybody started booking things and everybody started like working and you started to see them and now they're all far more famous and accomplished than I am, which is awesome. They're probably like, oh yeah, Ryan, yeah, too bad for Ryan. He didn't quite make it. He lives in Kentucky and rock climbs, but- <laughs> Yeah, but I bouldered V3. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but I bouldered V3, you assholes. Um, and I'm happy. In the gym. I mean, some people said it was V2, but it, right. the tag said V3. It was V2 slash three and I choose three. Um so like, you know, it's cool cuz we we kind of rose through the ranks and now like these people are are creating shows, they're showrunners, they're directors, they're actors, they're m- mega movie stars and and but we all started on the same level and I think climbing as a parallel like oftentimes there's there's that. Like wherever you start, you typically find people around your ability and if you're lucky, maybe some people who are a little bit better than you so they can teach you something and you can You can grow from their, um, their skills, but like, there aren't probably a whole lot of like five, six climbers hanging out with mid 14 climbers, you know, like you just kind of like settle in and you start to rise Mm -hmm. through. And so I met these guys here, like at this gym in in Louisville, Jeremy, Johan and Nikolai and like basically just, I was new and I was like, Hey guys, will you be my climbing friends? And they took pity on me. And now we, um, and now we're bros and we go out to the red all the time um along with other group you know like the the community has grown and now i've got a ton of climbing right. partners and we train together and we climb together and so I, i'm like very fortunate i think to have like a little bit of a hollywood cohort and a little bit of a climbing cohort and i think the climbing cohort is um i guess it's just like a little bit more real you know like you still just mostly climb up, talk about climbing <laughs> when you're with your climbing friends um and when i'm with my hollywood friends we mostly still just talk about like the biz. Um, and so I guess maybe it's just nice that I have a a couple, but now I'm also like becoming friends with my kids, friends, parents, and, and that's just a little bit more like normal. It's not like climbing or acting. It's just, you know, they're engineers and we just talk about the weather. Um, I don't know. Socializing is really weird. I have, um, it's, it's kind of hard. I, I like the climbing community because by and large, like, you know you're going to have something to, like, talk about and hit it off with, you know? <laughs> exactly. That's exactly right.
2: I mean, we talk about other stuff, but at least we can fall back. <laughs> yeah, climbing. exactly. And, like, I don't know if
0: we... Do we talk about other stuff?
2: Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, you know, I, I, I always... Whenever I get home with my bu- from a trip with my buddy, Corey, who's who's 51 as well, and uh, Steph's always like, so what would you guys talk about today? I'm like, I don't know. Stuff. <laughs> You know, or like right. she's like, How's Brandy? Which is Corey's Corey's domestic partner. I'm like, I don't know. She's yeah. like, Well, didn't he talk about her? I'm like, I don't think so.
0: <laughs> so it's like <laughs> No, because so literally, yeah, I, literally I, I it was it four hours of beta talk. Like that's right, just exactly. that's just what it is. But like every once in a while you were Come in on, there.
2: yelling come on at each yeah, other. Like, come on. And it's like, oh, you know, like
0: every once in a while you're like you're at a rest. And you're like, Okay, I think after this I'm gonna like left Gaston and by the way, like kind of got into a fight with my wife last night and then I'm going to grab that undercling, (laughs) you know, and like, you just like kind of pepper in a little bit of domestic stuff. Yeah, sure. (laughs) Um, did you meet your wife out in LA? I did. She's, um, cool. Way out of my league. She was best friends with my sister who was also in LA working in the business. And, um, I just never thought I had a chance with her. I like, I, she's a few years older and she's a very successful, um, screenwriter. She, she writes movies. She's, you know, so talented and beautiful. And I'd I'd known her for years, hung out with her for years and was just always like, not a chance, you know? And then one day, like I was single and she was, we were always in different relationships that like, Mm -hmm. it would never, was even a possibility. And then like one day we were both single at the same time and we were like, let's go for a hike just for the hell of it. And then six months later we were engaged. It was like immediate, as soon as we knew there was chemistry, because we had known each other for so long, we were like, obviously, that's a cool person, or we liked each other, we knew each other, and then, like, as soon as there were chemistry, we were like, oh, it's on. So, it's great. And so, as she, she's a writer, so she can kind of write from anywhere, and so, you know, living, living here in Kentucky wor- works out. It was also nice that she wasn't an actor. I dated a lot of actresses prior to meeting Kara, um, which is just what you do as an actor. Like, you're on set, and you meet someone, and then, like, all of a sudden, you're dating, because it's just kind of like the formula – but it's really hard. Like two actors, there's just like too much ego and insecurity in one relationship to handle. You know, it's nice to have a screenwriter and an actor where we understand each other's worlds, but we're mm-hmm. not in each other's worlds. So yeah, it worked out really well.
2: When when you guys decided to move out of LA, I, I would imagine that there was some consternation or maybe other people saying like, what are you thinking? You know, you're going to like, it's going to be the end of your careers or whatever. If you move to freaking Kentucky, you know, which totally. I can only imagine what you're, non-Kentuckian acting friends think of Kentucky. Um, And they're mostly right. They literally uh, think that we're neighbors with Mitch
0: McConnell. They're like, how's Mitch doing? uh, I'm like, there's cool people. I promise there's cool people. (laughs)
2: Yeah, Um, But yeah, I mean, what was the consternation? I mean, because it it feels, I think when you're there, you know, it's the hub and it feels like if you step outside of it, you're going to be forgotten instantly. And that's the end
0: of it. Yeah. I mean, I pretty much was.
2: Oh, (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs>
2: bummer that's why you're not a podcaster Yeah, exactly like i'm
0: making these big podcasts. It's,
2: exci- it's almost as exciting
0: <laughs> you know had to buy a computer brought in some sponsors almost covered the cost of the computer and then i worked for 200 hours for free <laughs> yep <laughs> so like i wish you'd warned me um yeah, well hey if you'd I, have asked i would have by the way I, I should have you know when i talked to steven Dimmitt. Yeah. He was like, "Oh, I sat down with Chris, and he told me all about the things, and 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 Stephen encouraged me to start the podcast, and was very oh, nice. very supportive and helpful, and now I'm like." damn it i should have talked to clues because you would have been more cynical on the whole thing you would have been like just don't just don't do the podcast
2: and yeah, uh, no, i totally was like with steven i was like and he's like <laughs> extremely successful and way more successful he's i think it. as a business than yeah he's killing it but i was just like dude first of all you can't do one a week like that's insane um so, you know so it's like you're gonna fucking kill yourself dude like don't do that and yet here i mean yeah literally he's he's this blown business wise he's blown me out of the water so so my advice was not necessarily uh the right advice for him but maybe would have been for you but um well, it's anyway, too late ba- now ba- uh, <laughs> yes yeah, too late now back back to my original question then so you're you're uh you've moved out of there and and uh and kind of changed flows what yeah. was that
0: like well i still act like you know what's nice is like i still have like a, bo- a foot in kind of both camps i i was just out in new mexico recently shooting like this indie action film that a friend of mine directed. I mostly do things now that I've got like a personal connection to the project so that I don't have to grind so hard to get the work Mm -hmm. because my, my livelihood now does not depend on acting, which is a nice place to be, but I still really enjoy acting. So every once in a while I'll host a show or I'll pop out and I'll be the murderer of the week on some, you know, procedural law and order type thing. Or like I just was in New Mexico doing this gig so I'm still in touch with my friends that are far more successful than I am. We're, we still talk. We still hang out. When I'm out in L.A., you know, we party or we'll, you know, just talk about kids or, you know, whatever whatever the the, the topic de jour is now. And then Kara is a screenwriter. And so she'll, like, maybe if she's got a movie in production, she'll be out on set or we'll go to visit, you know, the set. And so Hollywood's cool. Like, it's really exciting. It's very... um like, it's very intoxicating to be on set and to be around the making of something that's going to that's going to enrich the world in some way. Even if it's, like, kind of some shitty reality show, like, you know, I've hosted in the past. Or if it's, like, or something that is artistically something I'm really proud of, no matter what, it's just awesome to be a part of it. I think people who, like, crap on it, like, are... I don't know, maybe it's a self-protection mechanism. Like it's hard to not be on set and be really enamored with like Hollywood. Or I just always have been. I've always just loved like that kind of stuff, like bloopers videos and things. Like I always just loved like a peek behind the curtain of of how things are made. So like I still get a taste of that, but then like I live in Kentucky and I run a forest preschool part-time and I do this podcast and I act sometimes and I also am involved in This Saves Lives. And so like I'm more now kind of a a jack-of-all-trades master of none. And and I think my personality lends itself to that. Like I, I like to have a lot of irons in the fire. I don't think I've ever done really well when there was just like one thing that every waking moment kind of was focused on. Some people do that and I really- I really sometimes envy that personality type, but I it just, for me, like I've always liked to dabble, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. It's a wandering
2: you, answer. No, that's fine. So do you still have, um, I mean, you must still have like the, the Aquaman dreams, like the the big the big daddy break that's, you know, going to make you a superstar.
0: Yeah, I think it would be cool. I certainly like see some of my friends on screen in some of those roles and I'm like, God, that must be amazing. And I think for the most part, it is like when I talk to my friends who do that. Uh, but it's also like, like, no, this is terrible. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, like, tell me about, tell me what sucks, <laughs> you know, go go at it through the lens of struggle. Tell me right. how, how, like, give me the struggle of being a multimillionaire. And they're like, it's awesome. <laughs> and I'm like, God damn it. Um Yeah, like I think it would be cool to do that. And I haven't ruled that out. I just kind of have, um, I'm in a season right now with like the kids where they're at an age where it would be hard to go away and do like a six month movie somewhere Mm -hmm. on location. I like being home. I like being available for the kids. But I think that um, I've got enough of an acting resume and foundation where I'll always have an opportunity to get the next break, um, which is cool. I'm just not going after it super hard right now. You know the podcast. I'm just waiting for that big podcast break.
2: Yeah, the big podcast break. That's is right. around the corner. This is it. Um,
0: it's happening yeah, right yeah. now. This is <laughs> the normal break. The, the normal bump. bump. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: It's coming. Yeah. <laughs> that just means you you're going to be able to link, get a better link on your next uh, go. That's all you're going to get. Maybe get. I'll take it. Um, I'll take. I'll take the credit for it though. Anyway. All right. So let's let's do the podcast a little bit more. You know, you got all this stuff going on uh, again you know, a couple different philanthropic type things. You've got your career as an actor, you've got a family and you enjoy climbing. And so you decide to start a climbing podcast um, and throw it into the mix a little bit about why and, um, and, and maybe start to get in all, all the joking aside about monetary uh, compensation. Uh, you know, what, what are you getting out of it?
0: Oh God, I mean nothing monetarily. So we'll yeah. start there. But you we'll know, put maybe, that away. Maybe one day, but that certainly wasn't the motivation. <laughs> the motivation was I mean, I've become really serious about climbing in the last, you know, handful of years. I always loved it. I was always passionate about it. But like I've become very serious about wanting to maximize the return that I get out of putting into it. Like I've been very focused on trying to train and rise through the grades. Like I said, while I'm kind of still am able to, to some extent, climb these really steep routes here at the Red. And so I've consumed a ton of climbing content, podcasts, and of course, like all the senders and, you know, dosage films and this kind of thing. And in listening to every podcast under the sun, I started recognizing that there wasn't one that, that was like scratching the itch that I had, which is something that was you know pretty short form formatted and focused like in a way in maybe a more scientific way if you will on um on climbing like training and performance and so that's kind of the format of the struggle came from that and so for people who haven't listened to the show the the format every episode that I talk to I have a a season of 10 where I talk to 10 elite guests and every episode follows the same exact format i ask them where they've struggled In their training nutrition tactics and mental game and what it taught them so you know last season season one i had everyone from emily harrington and alex magos to kevin Jorgensen and alex honnold and um, drew mack and lynn hill and so people that represent boulderers to big wall climbers to um, sport climbers and they all answer those questions where have you struggled in your training nutrition tactics and mental game and then at the end of the season I bring on four experts, an expert in each one of those areas, to look back and say, "Okay, were there common threads here? What are some patterns? What can we, as like normal climbers, learn from where the pros have struggled?" And and the the entering point is, of struggle just came from like I just struggle as a climber. I've just always been fascinated with struggle. I've always liked taking on things where the odds are kind of stacked against me. We talked about acting and you know like entrepreneurship and all of that. And so you know kind of the common misconception is that well, you know, Emily Harrington doesn't struggle with big walls or or, or Alex Honnold doesn't struggle with mental game or Alex Johnson doesn't struggle with finger strength. And then you, you get into these conversations and like the answer is like, of course they do. They're humans who want to do the best that they can. And so they struggle just at a different level than we do. And so um, if I talk to my climbing heroes, 10 of my climbing heroes and everybody's climbing heroes to some extent, I'm sure. And and find out where they struggle in these areas and what they've learned from that. Can I learn from that? And can an expert help us to learn from that? So, like Dr. Tyler Nelson looked back on training and found patterns from all of these pros' struggles in their training. And Eric Hurst looked back at tactics. And Caitlin Holmes looked back at nutrition. And Hazel Finlay looked back at mental game. And so then we started to glean at the end of the season kind of some big takeaways where I think we normal climbers might be able to kind of level up our, our training and our performance and our mental game. Um, and that's that's what I wanted when I was listening to all these podcasts. I also wanted something that was pretty short, so all my episodes are less than an hour because I'm pretty busy, and so it takes me a long time to listen to a three hour podcast. So I tried to take all those things and, and bake it in, and, and um, people seem to really like it. You know, I don't know. I got season two that's coming up soon, and and another big lineup of names, and and hopefully you know takeaways and struggle. But I just wanted to contribute something to the climbing community, honestly, and so like you know i've got some sponsors where i get some free product and a little bit of money to help pay for like the computer that i've talked about but that's not really the name of the game uh, i'd like to make more money on it i'm i'm putting a ton of time into it but it wasn't um a means to income it was a means to just try to make something that i hope has benefit to the community and and for me like just honestly an excuse to be able to talk to some of my climbing heroes and and nerd out over climbing for a little bit
2: you know when you you entered into booking these shows you know it's always kind of surprised me like who you can sort of get just by like shooting a message to versus like who has various um you know various kind of layers you got to go through and sure. and you know the, the the impetus for me starting the show is that at least at the time um and this was whatever 12 years ago that it felt like I kind of knew everybody that I really wanted to talk to. Like I had a personal relationship with a lot of people. Sure, um, But, you know, since then there's been, I think there's been a whole new layer of professional climber kind of layered on even in the last 10 years um, where you're dealing with, with like actual agents and things like that, which is, you know, from your world is not unusual. So what did it feel like to, you know, get through to these people? And, you know, were you surprised, elated, like, holy cow, you know, this, this person just, sent me a message on on instagram like totally you know what i'm getting at too is uh, something i've always said that's really interesting is that you know our superstars are kind of among us that's changed a little bit especially when you're talking about kind of like euro level superstardom but they're still just here climbing on the same shit we're climbing on which is just this really unusual world that's not as stratified i think as most other professional sports and or even a place like acting where you know there's just they're superstars that are untouchable in a lot of ways. Um, but anyway, back to the actual question is, yeah, uh, you know, how is booking and and was it interesting to, to you know, suddenly be kind of privately chatting with these folks?
0: Yeah, I do. I do love that about the climbing community where it's at, where the sport is at right now. Like you said, you know, Europe's a little bit different, but I'm sure the pros, especially here in the States, don't love it because they're like, Jesus, I'd, I'd like to be able to pay some bills, you know, but the, the, the <laughs> really? sport is so yeah. small. You know, when my dad was growing up in in Detroit in like the, you know, late 40s to kind of mid 50s, he would just walk down the street and some of the biggest Detroit Tigers baseball players were like on the streets amongst him in these like working class houses, like just mowing their lawn. And you think about that. Now, like obviously there's no, none of the big baseball players are living in working class neighborhoods in Detroit, right? They're in like, they're, they're these, they've been put on this hill. Climbing kind of reminds me of those stories my dad would tell me in that sense, like you can just run into these amazing men and women at the crag and they'll give you a catch or they'll give you some beta or they'll come over. And like a lot of them, almost all of them are super accessible in that way. They're living in condos in Vegas or they're sharing apartments in Salt Lake City. And again, I think our sport is going to move away from that sooner than later. And again, probably much to the um, enjoyment of pro climbers because they should be making more money for what they're doing. um, No doubt. And I think it's moving that way. But right now we are in this interesting time. So I just straight up reached out to a lot of these people, you know, like through Instagram messages. I think it probably helped that like they could Google me and be like, oh, he, he hosted a lot of TV shows. You know, like I hosted a show with Al Gore about the environment and a lot of climbers are into the environment. That's how I got Alex Magos, you know? And so like he could check out and say like, oh yeah, Ryan is into the environment. He did host a show with Al Gore. He will probably be a somewhat adept podcast host and, you know, not ask dumb questions, um, whereas others, they were just personal intros, you know, where maybe I inter- interviewed one of these people and was like, hey, I've really been trying to connect with yeah. so-and-so, would you would All you right. mind, you know, if this wasn't a terrible experience, you know, like I had a good time with Alex Honnold last season and Jordan Cannon, Jordan, friend of the show, of course, um, and, uh, and both of those guys invited me out to go climbing with them in Vegas, which was like the dream day of my life. <laughs> But then I just, you know, asked Alice, I was like, hey, man, like Tommy, I would just like Tommy's like a dream guest for me for season two. And and he was gracious enough to connect. And so Tommy and I just chatted for season two. And, and you caught him right in the middle of a struggle too. <laughs> the biggest struggle, dude. I mean, like,
2: so I mean, we, not to laugh, but he's had he's had a rough year with injuries. So. It happened.
0: So he hops on. This was a couple weeks ago. So season two hasn't aired yet. I'm putting it all together right now, right. but a couple weeks ago. So this is like early August. Tommy hops on. And I'm like, Tommy, so good to meet, man. Like, how are you? He's like, well, yesterday I re-ruptured my Achilles. So it was oh, the, the, fuck, the yeah. next day. I was like, first of all, I was like, holy shit, did I just get a scoop? But then he went and ruined it by posting it on Instagram. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but the outpouring of you support. You wait several time-
2: months for you. To put I know. I damn was job. like, can you just hold on what this? Because I've
0: got a long <laughs> editing timeline. <laughs> Um, but we did talk a lot about that. And yeah, there was much struggle to be had in the Tommy interview. And I'm really excited for that one to come out. But, you know, also, I want to say, too, like I reached out to a ton of people who just ghosted me <laughs> and said no, or either said nice kindly, or just like didn't ever respond, or referred me to a manager who was a jerk. And so, you know, the people that represent season one were, you can you can look back at my season and say, you know, those, those are some really kind people. Cause I had a totally mm-hmm. unproven format and just mm-hmm. reached out and was like, Hey man, like, will you give me an hour of your time? And they said, yes. And they're some of the biggest names in rock climbing. Um, and they also happen to be very nice people. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy with that. And, and I'm continuing to go after the people that I think would be amazing for the show. And some of them are saying yes. And some of them are just saying like, I'm too busy right now. Or how about next season? And, like, I get it, you know, like you don't get everybody you want.
2: Yeah, no, I get ghosted all the time, <laughs> all the time. And I'm just, and I just pound my fist and I'm like, do you know who I am? <laughs> like, you do not say no to the normal guest. The normal bum, or, Yeah, or the, do you not say nothing, but it's fine. Um, it just happens. Uh, oh, you've, got, you've, yeah, got,
0: you've gotten the most incredible guests in multiple times. And that's a testament to your show as well. When you see people come back again, like I think they they have a good time. They feel safe. They probably get something out of it. And I think most pros recognize, maybe not all of them, but I think most pros recognize that, you know, you give up something. Maybe you give up 90 minutes to talk about some things that you've talked about a thousand times in the past, but you also get an opportunity to reach new people, people who are psyched on the sport. And if you're smart, maybe talk about your sponsors a little bit. Um, Yeah. And that's always an opportunity when you're, when you're giving press or publicity is to like. You know, talk about how great that Red Bull tasted or how sticky that Friction Labs is or whatever it I'm gonna is.
2: Cu- I'm going to cut that shit out, though. They know that. So <laughs> that's a You can come, on, be you like, can come I on just to
0: struggle <laughs> and, do, and do all your commercials. Everybody who's saying no say to Chris. Cut,
2: cut, cut. Oh, no, that sounded dumb. Cut. That was non-secular. Cut. That's great. Um, yeah. I mean, that's well, I, I also have sort of a rule. <laughs> Like an unwritten rule that the more you want to do the show, the less likely I am to book you. Um, so, any like a, literally, like whenever anybody's like pitching me on somebody, I'm like, uh, really? Do we? Okay, you should be a casting uh, it's, director
0: it's, out in uh, Hollywood. You would do
2: great. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Oh, you but, want this? No, I mean, oh, I, yeah. you, oh, no, it's a pass. No, well, can I get back to you? <laughs> um, or I, I do the ghosting? Not, not really. But it's always like, well. We gotta talk about something besides that, you know? Like no right. one's gonna to wanna to hear about that.
0: So Well, you were very um, generous yeah, to I, invite me on the show here. I, I appreciate it. I, you know, I just noticed that um we haven't been recording. Is that normal or uh <laughs>
2: <laughs> Yeah, dude, don't even that's like have you done you haven't you probably haven't done that yet. You haven't been in the game long enough. Oh god, have you done I that? have. Have you done a full oh, yeah, interview without yeah. pushing record? Uh, you know, no, like twenty five minutes. Oh god, worst nightmare. Dude, it's well, get ready. <laughs> it's gonna happen you, if you do it long how do you enough. break
0: that to the guest <laughs> you blame it on them don't you you? Just,
2: you just do i've lost a couple um got overwritten oh uh, or the sd card like you know fell apart or whatever oh. um, but yeah it's, it's all survivable dude um you know it's just part of the game you, you you i mean you're you're in the business like how much fucking useless footage do they shoot um you know so anyway but uh uh, b- back to the the thing I was getting at it, it you know, I, I'm curious because, you know, new podcasters, I get a lot of questions about it. And uh, I know that it's also tricky, you know, to be, you know, when I was like first starting it, my problem was simply explaining what a podcast was like. That was like the first part of the the pitch was like you're doing a what now and it's a what now. Um <laughs> totally. It's, it's kind of like the radio. Um but, you know, I, I survived a long time just on that momentum and, you know, new people dropping into it. I'm just kind of like, well, now you're, you're sort of, you know, fighting with a whole bunch of other, you know, folks trying to get people on the show. So I was just kind of curious about how your experience was. You know, um, but it sounds like it's exactly the same as mine. Some people are into it. Other people aren't. And,
0: you know, you just move on as best you can. Totally. And, and I think that ultimately, you know, perspective is a funny thing. Because we're, we're in it right now and we're like, oh, the landscape is saturated. There's seven rock climbing podcast shows. In 10 years, there's going to be 50 rock climbing podcast shows. Like this is podcasting is still is, as kind of uh, mature as it seems. It is still very Wild West, I think. Like there's mm-hmm. going to be massive commercial podcasts coming in you know to the climbing space there's going to every brand is going to have it like i just like you can just see it cuz because the the format is television and streaming and so you know what if when netflix came in and then amazon prime everybody else was like well they got it i guess i guess streaming is done you know disney plus just surpassed netflix for the first right. time in subscribers you know that was unthinkable just a few years ago and so there's plenty of room Like, I don't get competitive. I freaking love your show. I love Eric Hurst's show. I love Stephen Dimmitt's show. I love, you know, Power Company shows that that go out. I love Nina and Hazel shows. I mean, like, I listen to them all. I post about them all. Like, your interview with Dustin Bowen, I thought was fantastic and, like, really fun and entertaining. And so, like, I don't see it as competitive. I just, like, I think right now we're all kind of doing slightly different things anyway. Like, the struggle... There's nothing really out there like the struggle. Um, maybe one day there will be and I will f- crush them. But, you know, until then, I support every other show and I will go to their mom's basement and crush them. <laughs> totally. I'll pull their extension cord out of the wall. Cut it with scissors. Um yeah, I think like I think there's just such opportunity and and also, as we know, like the sport is growing so fast and like some sometimes to the to the cynical lament of, um, you know, run out conversations or when you're when you're doing your taps and, you know, these kinds of things are like, is it too crowded? Is it dead? These kinds of things. But in a non-joking way, like the sport is growing in a big way. Right. It's, that's that's a good thing. And all of these people are going to be hyped. They're so psyched on right. the sport. They want content. And so, like, I'm really happy to be able to contribute in some small way to that. And I think others are going to come into the fold and, and fill other gaps. Um, and then you'll crush them. Yes. And, and so we'll, you know, we'll go from no,
2: there. No, my, my my strategy is to, as is, is things get more and more slick and better, mine's just going to get shittier. Um, <laughs> Toner programming. So. <laughs> yeah just because i just want to be the old shitty one that's still out there doing his thing so that's my plan is there and, no and also i want to say are you
0: going to go for like yeah. is is it 500 episodes is it a thousand what's the goal no,
2: dude it's gonna be me in my grave in my casket like this <laughs> <laughs> they're just gonna put the mic like right next to my face as they close the fucking lid Thank god because we, we, we need happen. more
0: normo in our lives i love this show <laughs>
2: And I want to say something, the runout doesn't complain about the climbing crowds nearly as much as the access fund does. So um, I'm just going to say that. Every freaking update I get is like,
0: everything's fucked. Yeah. It's and falling apart. The crags are ruined. Hammocks. And we don't stop. People, yes. The hammocks are overrunning the crag. Get the, get the hammocks down. Like, hey,
2: guys, relax. <laughs> relax. There's it uh, rained let me ask nine you days ago
0: don't climb on the rocks <laughs> it's been nine days
2: uh don't get me started on that i know no, that's, that's, um, that's a trigger word you're talking about you know moving from trad to sport and you know performance and things like that so you know what what is your what is your sort of pipe dream at the moment um uh, with the trajectory you're on um as far as climbing is concerned you know you've made it this Extremely important part of your life, you know. You're probably doing what we all do, which is gathering time when you can, to thinking about the project when you fall asleep, and all those sorts of things. Um, yeah. Yeah. What, what's your little pipe dream at the moment, as far as is what's next or what's uh, your goals?
0: Focusing on the fall, so kind of short term goal. I, I'm uh, is and this is a big goal. This this one may not happen this fall, but um, there's this route called Easy Rider. Um, at the red, that's a 13A, um, and so it would be my first, my my break into the 13s. Um, now I've only climbed as high as 12C, and I've only done one of those. So again, it's a it's a stretch to for me to do it. But I've been training hard, and I think I can do it. But I've got a bunch of other routes for the, for for the fall that I'm excited about that are from the 11s up into 13. It's not really about chasing the grade as much, except like it's a little bit about chasing the grade. So we'll we'll see. I'm you know 43 years old. I got two kids and two jobs and I want to get out once a week at minimum and um, see what I can, what I can take care of on these steep red river gorge routes this fall. The big dream, like kind of like the long lens dream is to do some cool multi-pitch big wall and like expedition stuff. I just, I just love being like, I love the exposure. I love being out. I love being like unplugged in a way and sport climbing. I think probably for the next five years or something like that, if I were to just put like a a guess on it, if I could push it kind of like solidly into the mid-13s, like I think the best grade, people tend to say the best grade at the red is 13B. And so like if I could push into that where I could do some of those in, you know, like a handful of sessions or something, I think I'd have so much fun just climbing some of the absolute best climbs in this state. So that sounds fun. So, you know, short-term goal 13A this fall um then maybe get into the solid mid 13 so i can just take a bunch of really rad routes at the red but i want to get back like i think this fall i'm going to try and get out to the valley like i'd like to get out to the bugaboos and and i don't know maybe utah um this winter i was talking to tom randall uh, you know he's going to be out there and i'm going to have him on the show and i just uh, i want to i want to get back into crack climbing i want to get back into like multi-pitch and and maybe some big wall stuff so Yeah. I don't know how to do that though. Like I, I just, like, I just need to find more friends who are into that and, and just make it a priority. And right now, like you said, with a family sport climbing is kind of a nice way to schedule the day and the week and I don't have to be gone for two weeks. So, Mm -hmm. um, if I can get out and do like, just stay sharp with my placements and anchor building and these kinds of things, just try to keep that muscle a little bit sharp. I think there will be a time for that when my kids are a little bit older and I can go do some adventure stuff.
2: You know, the podcast project, you went through a season, you're building a second season. You know, if you could sum it up, like, what do you think the most satisfying thing has been or the, or the, the knowledge, the piece of knowledge that you've walked away with that, you know, you, you sat back, you decided on a second season, you said this was successful. What made it successful?
0: Yeah, I appreciate you asking that. I mean, I just learned so much in season one and season two is, you know, going to be banger as well. I, I think that, uh, my favorite chapter is the mental game chapter of every episode, um, and then Hazel Finlay did the kind of the masterclass look back at at all of that. And I, I, it's really for me, like what you know, for everybody, I think to some extent, what sets climbing apart. Otherwise, we'd just be like lifting weights or doing hangboard all the time. But you know, climbing is it's problem solving and and overcoming fears and and tactics and these kinds of things so the mental game chapter is what i'm most excited about for season two as well and you know the lineup is really good um a good sampling from comp to boulder to sport to big wall the 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 takeaways are are really great in training nutrition and tactics but i think mental game is um maybe what's most exciting for a lot of climbers but i think maybe the overall the overarching big takeaway is the first question i ask everybody is What's your relationship with struggle? And without a doubt, every single one of these elite climbers has shown that not only do they enjoy struggle and discomfort, but they seek it out. And I think there's just like a lesson there for all of us, whether it's in our climbing or just in our lives, that like if you change your, you know, the brain is wired, like if you listen to like Huberman Lab and those kinds of podcasts, like the brain is wired to avoid discomfort and to avoid struggle. We constantly are trying to take The path of least resistance. But if you can start to, through exposure therapy, train yourself to understand that struggle leads to more reward or more breakthrough, or even just enjoy the shit, like the type two fun of it, then you're going to have breakthroughs. And that's what these elite athletes, like every single one of them, have said. Like they are in it for this comfort, knowing that there's a greater reward on the other side. So I've really enjoyed kind of looking at elite climbing through struggle and and uh, season two is going to offer more of those kind of usable takeaways. Like what's your fingerboard routine? But also like I think bigger things that are just more motivating to us regular climbers where it's like we can dial in our fingerboard routine, but there's like a lot of motivation in the season. So, yeah, I'm really psyched about that. And, you know, maybe I'll get to um, climb with some of these people again like I did in, in season one that's just like a real treat and and a dream as well I'd like to climb with you too Chris let's get out and do some stuff one day it'd be that'd be such a dream man yeah the western slope rules come on out and
2: um if you kind end up in the desert you know I, I'll definitely pop over I, I have a relationship with Tom as well and um love climbing on the same stuff he's climbing on out there in the desert so
0: yeah I'd just be watching we could do you that guys, easily do your no? Thing, I'd have to, I'd have to find something far easier but um yeah this is really uh really cool, buddy. I appreciate you having me on and and chatting. I look forward to having you on The Struggle. We get to crack open your noggin and and look at your life and your climbing and your podcasting through the lens of struggle.
2: (laughs) Uh, That'd be a lot of fun. I'm in.
0: Yeah, great. Thanks, man.
2: All right, folks. Thanks for listening and thanks to Ryan for sitting down. Nice professional connection. He knew what he was doing. Used the equipment, program, no technical issues, which is rare connecting on the internet. So I appreciate that. Also, a nice rapport. Let me think. Guy was like giving me a hard time right off the bat. Very enjoyable. Once again, if you need more climbing content, check out the Struggle Climbing Show wherever you get your podcasts. Great one out right now with Mr. Tommy Caldwell Today was the last day of September. How was it for you? Did you send? Well next climbing pun Rocktober is up. Are you ready to rock your Tober to send your rocks in tober? Is there a pun for November? no sendverber We need to come up with one because actually November still is awesome so December kind of starts to suck unless you like ice climbing. Anyhow, hope you're getting out there. Hope you're fit, having fun, getting good weather, and of course, checking your knots.
1: Susan surrendered. Oh, thank God. We have to stop the ceremony. Kim Jong-il is mad. Here, let me loose. I'll show you where the theater is. All right. No, Chris, stay away from her. Fuck you. She wants to help us. No, Chris, she's
0: acting. I am not. The others tied me up because I wouldn't go along with their plans. Your skills are fading with age, Mr. Randon.
1: You shall die a peasant's death! (laughs) Jesus titty fucking Christ, I could have sworn she was telling the truth. That's why they call it acting.